This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast alongside John. John, it is the last show that we'll do before the Christmas holiday. So before I even get started, I hope uh, you and your family have a Merry Christmas. Thank you. And you, you guys too. Hope we have a good one. So we decided early, uh, we, well, we talked about it last week on the show that we would like to do something relating to D- December big show around Christmas. And we kind of thought about it, and I know there's been like some world-class shows that happened on Christmas. I think the famous match is uh, the Carrie Von Erich and, and, um, and Ric Flair match. Uh, we talked, I, I, there's been some AWA shows that happened on Christmas, but this is why we get along, because when I asked you... What show would you like to talk about that happened in December? Your reply was uh, this Tuesday in Texas. And, oh. and my my thought was, if all else fails, just go to Hulk Hogan. So that's what we did. So uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. We I want to get through um, I want to get through uh, some of the news first. That I mean, there hasn't been a, a lot of news, but I guess the main thing is is we went to TLC. WWE's TLC in San Jose last Sunday, so live pay per view. I don't, I, I, I mean, we kind of talked about this last time, but I, I was trying to remember, you know, the last WWE live pay per view show I had been to that wasn't WrestleMania, and I think it was um, 2011. Uh, whatever the chamber show was called, I don't know if it was, um, no mercy or no way out, or if it was actually called elimination chamber, but it was 2011. That would have been my last show, uh, pre WrestleMania pay-per-view. So it'd been a while for me and, uh, it was what just kind of, it was, it was in Oakland. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Both kids, both kids and I went and. We brought uh, Eddie Ed, Eddie Zuko with us, and yeah, it was it was. I, I mean, I remember it being a good show. Um, it was when um, I, I want to say Morrison was in the chamber, and like he Spider Man climbed the top of it or something. That's just the only thing that huh. I can really remember. But uh, but yeah, so we we were at TLC, and uh, and what what did you think? Did you did you think it was a pretty good show live? Yeah, live. I thought it was a lot of fun. Had a good, had a really good time, and uh, it's definitely a different experience because you know all the production. It's like a typical house show, and I was kind of closer to the entranceway, so it was really cool to see like the entrances, the full entrances with the with the uh, Titantron and their all in full character, and the crowd really going crazy for everyone. So it was, it was a lot like everyone reacted really well to them, each person felt like a star coming out during the matches a little different story sometimes but overall there's some really good matches and uh 
I, 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 and then at the end, I really enjoyed it. You know, I got, I didn't watch any pre-show stuff. I just got there basically right at, I think about five minutes before, and then the pay-per-view started. And, and so I wasn't really fatigued like I thought I would be, though I did get a little tired right after the AJ Daniel Bryan match. But overall, it was fun. I, I, I think I'd definitely go to another review if it was in, in San Jose or, or nearby, actually, now I remember the last show I went to preview-wise was the uh, the Golden One um, show. But yeah, no, I don't know, it's a no mercy. It was one of those things. Yeah, that you went to but, the uh, first Sacramento show in that new building. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, this one's actually ten times better. You know, uh, we give uh, like I, I think we give uh, you know WWE gets a lot of crap right now because. Raw, and to a lesser extent, SmackDown. I think SmackDown's actually a pretty entertaining show. Some of that has to do with it being only two hours, but Raw is pretty tough to get through, and I don't know if you if you uh, heard from folks who watched Raw after our show. It was like night and day compared to the reception that, that our show got. But one thing that I realized is that while TV may not be that good, um, and like, I can't imagine going to a live raw. I think I would probably just be so bored, but they do, they have so much talent when you combine those two rosters that when they actually do a pay-per-view, they have so much talent. You're going to see a really good wrestling match and possibly more just because th- there's just too much talent to screw that part up. So I feel like the pay-per-view, you know, if, if you, if you're a fan and you want to see a good show, you you should be able to to get some good wrestling at a at a pay per view show and and that's what I took out of that was just going live that 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 they I think they figured out the the live you know uh, the, the 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 live big show thing uh, really and I, I can't see how they would screw that up but yeah so uh, I don't want to go through the whole card everyone has probably seen the show already who's listening to this um, but one thing that you said was that most everybody looked like a star when they came out. And I was trying to think who I thought maybe the crowd didn't really care for too much. Um, I would say maybe, uh, maybe, maybe Ruby Riot and her crew. Um, and then maybe a little bit um, during... Uh, well, I mean, this is during the Ambrose and Seth Rollins match where they, they were seen as stars, but the, the match just didn't get over. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think it was like, you know, maybe they didn't care about Ruby Riot, but it really felt like everyone else on this show, the crowd was really into and really cared cared about, which, I, you know, that also made it really fun. So I, I, th- I think you're absolutely right about that. What was your takeaway when it came to like the pacing of the show and you know some of the undercard which i felt i felt like they really built towards the big stuff at the end but um what was your take on that whole stuff um i thought the pacing of the show was was really well done um i thought uh yeah i thought the opener was kind of interesting with the mix max challenge you know i thought that was just kind of like it's like it is just because personally like i would have done that match first i just i'm more of a put a really good match on to like open the show. And that's basically essentially just like a comedy match, right? It's a short little comedy match. It wasn't like, 
bad or anything or horrible or you know it was it was it was fine it was what exactly what it was supposed to be but like I would just probably would have flipped I thought I put the the three way SmackDown tag team title match to open the pay per view and then and then I would have uh, put the mixed match challenge after that that's just me. But, um, of course, the opener is really the Cruiserweight title match that we didn't see. Yeah. You know, because it was on earlier. But, I mean, what's an opener now, right? I mean, the crowd's already seen some action before that. So, but um, I would have I would flipped that. Um, all in all, I thought it was good. I would have booked Seth and Dean Ambrose definitely a lot differently than what they did. I thought that was uh, a, just a bad decision on their part and then and then um i, I, I would have kept ray mysterio and randy orange just a straight match yep. i think the chairs really took away from that match i know my you know i was i i was with the heartbreak kid david rubio and i know he really liked that match he liked the finish a lot and it was kind of creative but i wasn't really into that match i think they could have had like a a, a lot better Match if they weren't handicapped with the use of the chairs, and, and then you know they picked the, the perfect main event too. I mean, I know it was a TLC match, but you know that, that was a feature that's the pay per view. But like those those ladies delivered, and Ronda and Nia Jax delivered in their match. AJ and Daniel had a really good match. Um, I did not like the Braun Strowman uh, Baron Corbin segment. That was probably the worst thing on the show. It was just, 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 just mind-boggling when I was watching. You know, I just didn't get what they were trying to get. I don't, it didn't make it didn't, to me like it, it didn't even get drawn over. Really. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, it was just, it just, just was kind of stupid. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, we have, uh, we have been to many a wrestling show over the years since, you know, all the way from our youth. So we've seen all the big stars come through, right? We've mm-hmm. seen Hogan. We've seen Flair. We've seen um, Sting and Luger and Rock and Austin and Foley and Cena and, you know, every everybody who has been a, a fairly big star We've seen them, and some of them, you know, from our early childhood, and some of them, you know, when we were adults. Where would you rank um, Rhonda? Seeing Rhonda, like, not, I mean, obviously her character is not as, like, super, super hot over as, you know, some of the biggest stars in, in the history of wrestling, but from, like, a performer, like, a charisma, like, a, like just, like, a she's somebody kind of way, like, how would you how would you rank her just seeing her live? Um, that's the reason I went, was to see Ronda Rousey live. I mean, I never got a chance to see her fight, and I was bummed about that. I wasn't wanting to see her fight in the cage. In the UFC, it's never got a chance to go do that. And so I'm like, when this show is getting closer and closer, I kept thinking, like, let's just go and see Ronda. And when she came out, you know, she's a, you know, she's a star. She's a, a star that transcends, you know, the sport. You know, she's, uh, she broke barriers for women in MMA and, and, you know, helped women in the WWE, you know, get featured more than just being, you know, TNA 
Um, she's influenced a lot of things, and uh, she's a very important person in sports, you know. So it was cool to see, like, such a historic, you know, figure in, our, in sports. So that's how I really wanted to go. And she killed it. And her and I really had a really good match. It was probably my, God, it's probably my second favorite match on the show. You know, I just really enjoyed it. And I think she, Ronda was just fantastic. And that dive out was probably the best dive out I've seen in years. Mm-hmm. It was pretty cool. Uh, and then, and then, uh, you know, you talked about Ambrose and Seth. And, you know, we're actually going to talk about a match on that this Tuesday in Texas. Is it this Tuesday or just Tuesday in Texas? Because I've seen it both ways. Um, I think when they're promoting it at the time, it was this Tuesday in Texas. But then when they just, you know, now it just becomes Tuesday in Texas. I know. That's a weird, what a weird <laughs> name for a show. But um, it was Tuesday in Texas, so what the hell. That's what yeah. Was, I guess. Yeah. So there's a super-duper grudge match on that show, and it is exactly what Dean and Seth needed to be. And we'll, we'll we'll talk about it, but yeah, De- uh, Dean and Seth was just it was just really boring, and and the, I mean, if 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 there was no grudge and it was just two guys wrestling, the match would have been fine. But based on what they sold us, the match was like not the right thing. Um, so during that Dean and Seth match, there was a Becky Lynch chant started, and mm-hmm. you know I'm. You know, when when people start telling me that, oh, you know, Becky Lynch is so over, like, what does that really mean? Because I just named off, like, all the superstars that we've seen live, and I'm like, okay, like, I really know what that looks like when it comes to a live crowd. And so I kind of like, you know, whenever I hear about this, I kind of roll my eyes. Uh, You know, there's no way she's more over than, you know, some of these folks that I've seen before. And then they started chanting for her before the main event even started. And I thought, huh, that's kind of interesting. Like they, they're, they're a, they're sick of the match that they were watching. But b, like they couldn't, re- they couldn't wait for Becky to come in. And so when they do announce her for the main event, the crowd was more hype than I expected. And and look, while you know she's she's not Austin and those guys because that that is another pop altogether. Like not even in a comparable universe to anything going on in wrestling today. But I was surprised. I thought, I was like, wow, like she is a little bit bigger of a star than I actually realized. And you don't get that necessarily from TV. I think TV is a little muddled and people take the social media stuff into account a little bit too much. But when you go live, you see who the people react to. And holy cow, they they were so into her. And that's not to say that Oscar and Charlotte weren't because they 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 were as well. I thought I thought all three women were just over like bonkers with the crowd. But there, she was a little bit more. You know, people were into Becky just a little bit more with her. Uh, you know, with with her character, which you know, I, I I think it's like there's a little bit of Conor McGregor. You know, her countrymen. Um, there's a little bit of Joanna to me and she's trying to be like a female version of like Stone Cold. So, you know, whatever she's doing is working. And, you know, she was really good in the match. All three women were really good in the match. And I came away, you know, wa- watching and going like, OK, we may have seen, um, we, you know, that I think the women have main evented uh, paper before there was a hell in the cell with Charlotte and Sasha, I think. 
But that was that didn't feel organic. It felt like they were like, oh, you know, we should really put a women's match in the main event. Let's just do it. This felt really organic. This was absolutely the main event of the show. And I thought that was really cool. And I thought, you know, for the first time outside of that evolution pay-per-view, I was like, it's quite possible that the women are the biggest stars on the show and and you couldn't really say that before right like i remember you know when i was growing up they tried to portray wendy richter as like hot just as hot as hogan and there was no way i mean they tried but now like you get i get this feeling like you know you just talked about ronda the whole reason why you wanted to go to this show me too pretty much i mean i've seen her fight in the ufc but still like i can't get enough of her from a from a performer standpoint um and then you know the three women in the main event, like they're they seemed like the four biggest stars on the show. I mean, that's the reality of WWE. Like, and the, at least the main roster, it's the women that has the most interest right now. Is it because they've been pushing them the whole year, and, then, and that's one of the main features? Maybe, but like at the same time, like I think their characters are more interesting. I think like like I'm always curious to see what Charlotte's doing. You know, like I'm, I just like watching her perform, like on her interviews. To in the ring, and you know Becky Lynch is you know her, she's taking her character a whole a whole new directions, and, and it's people are gravitating to it. You know, um, yeah, I just I just uh, Ronda, you know Ronda's in the mix doing her thing, so it's always interesting. And like I said, like this is going to be the year. Well, 2019 is going to be the year, but they're going to headline with the women at WrestleMania. And that's going to be. I mean, it'll be like three different main events, but the big. The big marketing thing will be the first time ever women would headline WrestleMania because it's going it's to be the cap on the whole women's evolution angle. Yeah, and this is going to be and it's that's this is this and it's, and you know what though, Ronda versus Charlotte versus Becky Lynch is is definitely I have more interest in that match than a Brock Lesnar versus a Seth Rollins or or whatever they have planned right for WrestleMania. So. I mean, it, I think that, you know, even though it's part of overall marketing thing, but really, shit, those girls, you know, they got the ball and they ran with it, and I'm pretty pumped for that main event at WrestleMania. I mean, I'm not 100% sure it's going to be a three-way, but I, I'm, you know, I'm about 8% sure it's going to be a three-way, just the way that match ended. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be in New York. A lot of media will be focusing on, you know, covering it. A lot of media that doesn't really cover Pro wrestling will be there because it's such a big event, and you know you have Ronda, who's such a major star, and then like you know a lot of people, even though she's hot right now, you know hot in a certain way, she's not. It's interesting. I didn't realize I haven't really followed the house show circuit, but Becky hasn't really been a draw in the house show. Nothing's really changed there, right? It's actually getting so, worse. You know, yeah. So I mean, I mean, how you know, when people say hot, like how hot is she, right? If she was hot. You know, house show business will be changing, yeah. going up, not down. But anyways, but like you know, like for Pete, for for the media that doesn't really cover pro wrestling, but know certain names, I think it's important for WWE to have a you know a flair in the main event because people know Ric Flair and uh, Charlotte, and you know what, Charlotte's been killing it. I think like I think she was the star of that TLC match when it was all said and done. I mean, I think she went out there to prove something. And she did it, and she's like, "Hey, don't forget, you know, Becky's getting hot, which is great, but don't forget about me." Mm-hmm. And that's why that's probably my favorite thing about that match is just how Charlotte really just 
I mean, she really turned it up. I mean, her passion and remember she hit that spear on Oscar on the floor and, and they went to the barricade, like that, like howl that she did, that scream that she did after she did it, like looked in the crowd. I thought that was visually stuff. And I was like, that was awesome. And Charlotte has that, like her dad has that, that's art about her. Like when she came out for entrance, like she felt like a true star, you know, she felt like someone like, wow, that was a pretty, pretty awesome entrance. So, um, yeah, man, I think it does. Like you're, I'm, I, it's funny. It's so funny how you said about the women is because that's what happens. Like I kind of fast forward, but then I kind of tune in like with the main women, you know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. I, I, I make, you know, when, it, when it's Charlotte, Becky and Rhonda, I'll watch it. Everything else, uh, I'll I'll just fast forward it and and check in. But yeah, and when it goes back to that, when you talk about Dean and Seth, like, what the fuck happened there? <laughs> but, like, but like, okay, like I'm sitting there. They just had Daniel Bryan AJ Styles, which is a really good match. And then, then they have Dean and Seth, and they played this vignette of you know kind of going to the program, what happened, the turn, all this violent and chaos they go out there and call you know they, they lock up and i'm like they're having like a regular wrestling match like no it shouldn't be a regular wrestling match it should be a brawl at grud they should be fighting all over the place i would have booked it that's how i would have done it you know they come out for the entrance both are just want to go at each other but they have to have that entrance with the, the ring announcer because the title match right the referee's trying to keep them apart you know but dean's pacing seth's pacing you know, JoJo's making the announcement before, or Lillian, before she can finish the announcement, they go at it. And it's all over the building. They go off the floor, in the, uh, into the ring, the ring announcer's table, into the audience, up the staircase, go down it, come back in the ring, fight more in the ring, then they go up the rampway. Now you have all the agents coming out, the referees come out. It's just wild, wild and crazy. And the match is thrown out. Not this bullshit of like just having a regular wrestling match. I, mean, I don't mind a regular wrestling match, but like not it just didn't fit what they're telling, you know, like the story they're telling. Like this is supposed to be a big grudge, and you're out there, you know, throwing arm drags. It's like yeah, no. And then like a lot of shit didn't make sense. Like okay, so this part was dumb. It was completely stupid. Okay, you remember that spot where uh, Seth's on top rope, Dean is on top rope as well, but facing towards the crowd, right? So Seth does the powerbomb spot, right? Seth does the powerbomb. But, like, he, like, it was like a fake out. Like, he acts like he gets hurt his knee again, right? Yeah. Remember this? Yep. But then he's like, he's not hurt. It was a fake out, and he had a powerbomb. <laughs> but what the fuck? God, I get so mad up. Sorry, I don't mean to cuss, but, like, what the fuck? Like, what are you faking out? If you can hit the power bomb, hit the fucking power bomb. Yeah. Like, how stupid are you? Like, it's just it's stupid. Like, shit like that just takes it, it takes me out of the match. And I'm just like, what? That makes no sense. No sense at all. Like, I couldn't wait for that match to end. And then Dean wins clean. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. Like, like <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Whatever. I mean, that match is, like, I don't really care for that program anyways, but, like, I'll tell you what, I don't care for it now. <laughs> I hope that's the end. But I guess not, because I guess from the they did more. But I was like, oh, my God. I don't know. I was really upset about this. Like, just, okay, of all those, like, damn, man, I'm putting out a comment on this. All those people in the back 
from Vince down. All these smart people, Triple H is back there, Adam Pierce is back there. You know, no one said, hey, this might be the wrong time to match for, for this, this, this program. Like, no one's, I mean, what the hell? You know, like, who? I can't believe that happened. I'm surprised that that happened. It's just, and, you know, that's why the crowd was boring. They, they just saw a good wrestling match, the match before with Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles. They wanted this time to shift, shift gears and give something a little different. So I was sitting next to um, the great Eddie DiBiase, who I went to the show with. And he is someone who is a really hardcore wrestling fan right now, but he's still sort of, you know, he he, he missed a lot of stuff and he kind of got back into wrestling. So, um, you know, he, he's 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 just like he's kind of in his like wrestling prime right now. So he's just seeing anything and everything like he went to the Jericho cruise, you know, like he's so in it. <laughs> and so and so he, you know, after the Daniel Bryan match happens, he goes, he goes, so, you know, do you think it's a mistake to have Seth and Dean to have to follow these guys? Like, we knew that match would be a good match, and they're going to have to do a lot to follow this. And so I said, I said, no, it, 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 it'll be fine, because what they're going to do is they're going to have this crazy brawl. It'll be 10 minutes. It'll be insanity. It'll be chaos outside of the ring. They'll have some schmas at the end. Dean will cheat, and then he'll win, and, like, It'll be it. It won't be that match to have to follow. It'll be something different completely. And God damn it, he was right <laughs> based on the match that they did. I was like, you were. I was like, you were like you. I, I don't know if he sort of figured that they weren't going to do the match that we thought. But I was like, man, like that. They were so off and and just understanding what what they needed to do. But like I said, we're, we're going to talk about a match that did not get those those beats wrong uh, in in a second. So, um, uh, did you follow anything that happened Monday and Tuesday on uh, on Raw and SmackDown? I know you didn't watch, but uh, did, uh, you, did you follow like the little bit of the stories that were happening? Oh yeah, yeah. I saw those. I you know, I read the, res- the results on the server. It's kind of what I, I my go to. Just the if there's anything interesting, I'll tune in. I'm kind of curious. I still haven't deleted on my DVR yet, but it might by the end of. But since the holidays coming, I might have time to watch it. I might, I might watch the SmackDown tag main event and see how that goes um, with uh, Daniel Bryan and Alamos versus uh, Ali, Mustafa Ali and AJ Styles. Ah, I might check that out. Hopefully, you got some good time. And I know they did a co- cool thing when they had Ali get the upset win, and you know it's probably gonna build to a title match that's gonna be on TV. So, but um, yeah, that's. That's kind of the main stuff. The, um, the raw stuff. I mean, nothing major. They did not some NXT call-ups, which is cool. But well, you know, I just don't have any faith in the main roster and how they bring these stars from NXT up and what they do with them. So we'll see. Hopefully, they uh, they take care of some of those guys and gals. Okay, so you you are someone who you know really enjoys the. Uh, the prospects, the you know, the discovering of wrestlers and and sort of fitting them in. Uh, I mean, we we've known about Lars for a little while. They've been really, really you know pushing him that he's going to be you know a little bit of a game changer. Both you know on both shows, and he's a little special. 
And so what bothered me is even less of who actually is being called up, because I don't believe that they think any of those folks outside of Lars is going to be that big of a deal to like to the main event roster. But I almost felt like, you know, you've been pushing, pushing Lars, Lars, Lars. And all of a sudden you just go, oh, by the way, we're bringing all of these guys up. And guess what? Kevin Owens and Seth are coming back. And so I felt it like watered down Lars a little bit. Like I really wanted them to, to you know, showcase him. And then at the end, they just go, "Oh, we're just bringing all of these guys in." Like it just, it just made it feel not as special. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with the like, like lumping Lars in that group of guys are calling up. You know, it was a mistake. I think they just, they that was just a miss, a miss call on them. You know, because like. You're already doing vignettes with Lars coming up, right? Like that should be remain separate. You should just replay the same vignette you had for Lars from TLC, which was was really good. Yeah. And the lumping him with that graphic, yeah, it does take a little bit away from him. But I think Lars is going to be fine. He's going to give be given a a really good shot to get over, um, and I think he'll do really well. I mean, I, I'm a big 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 fan of Lars I mean if I was there you know I would definitely be <laughs> doing a lot with Lars you know he's just be you know because I think he's a good wrestler he's really good at him you know he's a big man of the monster he's really well he can talk he can cut really good promos um even though I know like 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 you know our buddy big Dave Meltzer always says like they shouldn't have him talk he should be a monster but there's something really cool about a monster that's really intelligent, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like, you know, like a girl in monsoon or a George animal steel, you know, you know, this is before, of course, the crazy, you know, but before he would cut good promos, you know, it's just like, it's like, man, this guy is not only just a, a powerhouse and a monster, but God, he's actually smart too. Like, you know, I think Lars has the ability to be a big star. And uh, I, I think they're in, you know, I think they're going to give him a chance. Um, the rest of the group is interesting. Um, I really like, I'm a big fan of heavy machinery. I've liked them since day one. I'm a really big fan of just like the bigger guys who can move. Yeah. Um, um, Otis Dozovic is, is a star. You know, he's a lot of charisma. Um, I hope they don't break him up. I hope they give him a chance and give him a run as a team because they're really good and really entertaining. Um, they didn't really get featured in NXT as much as I thought they should. They never got that run I thought they should have got. They kind of like, I don't know why. You know, NXT is only an hour show, and there's, on, you know, there's plus, totally people in that roster. Plus, they brought up the War Raiders, and they're sort of the look is a little yeah. similar. But like even before that, you know, I thought before the War Raiders were signed, I thought they they should have done something. Um, Lacey Evans, um, you know, she's. A favorite of theirs. She, you know, she has a really, you know, she's a former, you know, military. So that's like something that will definitely push. Um, she's a little older. I think it's like, you know, her time. A lot of people are freaking out. Like, hey, what about Ricochet? Why don't they bring up Undisputed Era? It's like, listen, you can't bring up everyone at the star because no one's gonna get over that way, right? I mean, it's just like too many stars at once is not a good thing, actually. Plus, NXT is a brand. NXT needs to make their money in there. You know, if you take away their stars, the house shows, they're not going to do well. So, all in time, due time, they'll come up. And there's no real rush to bring them up, you know. Um, especially during this time where, like, you're leading to WrestleMania with all the stuff you have now. I don't think it's time. I think you should wait till after 
to bring up certain people like the like you know the key stars like a you know a ricochet or something like that um ec3 is like he's, he's like wasting his time in in nxt you know like it's just he's he's ready for the main roster he's a good character not the best wrestler but you know i think as a character for what they do and on the main roster he's 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 perfect, and you know he'll be given a chance too. And uh, I want to see him. I want I want to see him and Bobby Lashley do the um, the mirror spot where they do like the two doinks <laughs> together. I want to see them do that. <laughs> Just because their bodies are different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, um, so I. I mean, I don't. I don't really. I don't know where a lot of these folks fit in, especially. Um, you know, someone like Lacey, I think she's going to get really lost in the shuffle and it's not like, it's not like her fault, right? Like she's just, no. she, she's, she's very, she's still on the green, on the greener side and, you know, she's still, I don't even think she really has gotten over in NXT and that's kind of what it's for is so that they can learn how to get over there and then they come up to WWE and they already know how to get over in, in a smaller I mean, place. A, like your character is cool. But, like, I feel like as a character, if I see it within a few months, I'd be over it. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't think it's... But we'll see. I mean, it, I mean, she'll evolve, I'm sure, and I'll tweak your character. But And, like, she's good. I mean, she's has some talent, but, like, it's... I mean, is she going to step in there and, like, be, like, ready for, like, matches with Charlotte? Like, are you really going to buy her? I mean, it's going to take some time. Nikki Cross, on the other hand, I think could get over she's she's very good but they, good. I mean, they, I, but they don't do anything with her buddies oh god that's oh she's don't get me started with that i mean how this you have this, this group it's a really good group of guys you know and like they just don't do nothing with sanity i just like that 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 that's just like i'm sitting there that's, mm-hmm. that's what i thought when i was watching three-way um i'm like sitting there i'm like it's these same fucking tag teams we've seen for like yep. a whole year, right? Yep, yep. And I'm like, and it's just like, it, I don't understand, like, why they don't get behind Sanity. Eric Young is really good. Such a good ring general. Such a good character. Um, uh, the big guy, what's his name? Gosh, I forget his name. I mean, it's been from, he's been off TV. I forgot his name. And, uh, you know, Wolf's just fantastic. He's such a cool character, too. Like, he has such a personality. They have a really good personality. Killian Dane. That's what I was thinking about. I mean, Killian Dane has a lot of talent. Like, do something different. Like, mix them in. Like, that's, that's you know, I, mean, I just remember, like, just us, even though the three-way tag match at Tilsey was a good match, because all those guys are, are very talented. And, like, like you, I enjoy watching the Usos. I, I personally really enjoy watching Cesaro and Sheamus. Yep. They're a really good team. Uh, I'm not a big New Day guy, but you know they they're they They, tower them. They they have they have their place for sure. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But like, come on, man, throw something different in there. Bring in, bring in. That's why you brought Sandy. Why did you bring him up? You know, you know, you 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 know what I think is pretty interesting is you know they're going to be on Fox in uh, in in several months, ten months or whatever. But Mm -hmm. there's this. you know, there's this wonder if they're going to do any shoulder programming or any FS1 programming from WWE. And think about this, right? Think about the talent that they don't utilize on Raw and SmackDown. You can put those two talents together on one show and have like a really good one-hour wrestling show 
that would be more interesting than the three hours of Raw and the two hours of SmackDown live every week. Like, you know, you just named them, you know, put San, you know, have you, you have Sanity who could wrestle matches. You have Cien Almas who could wrestle matches. Uh, just guys on both rosters who aren't utilized. Like, I know a lot of people, um, a lot of people probably don't really care about this team, but, you know, I've watched Joe Henning uh, wrestle live before, and the guy's really good. Him and Bo oh, Dallas together, good. you know, could, could, uh, could do stuff. So, like, I, I almost, wi- I almost, you know, the, those those old um, WWE had put to had put has put on all these shows that they have to do for international TV, like superstars and and uh, main event and all that stuff. Not saying that they should rebrand those shows, but you could do a good one hour NXT style wrestling show with the guys that they don't use on the main roster, who they've brought up to the main roster. Like they really could do that. Oh God. Oh. Please don't have third championship. <laughs> I know, I know. But but like yeah, you're no, you're exactly right. God, you know, think about think about hot. Never, you know, they weren't they weren't white hot or anything, but they got over the B team. Remember how they were they were getting over, and all of a sudden now they're just like, where are they? Yeah, yeah. And you know, like how does like how does I mean I remember watching I was watching the Raw a couple weeks ago, and it was the uh, oh god, it was when I turned it off because when I saw. Drake Mavic peeing on Bobby Roode's road. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there watching the match before this happened. I'm thinking like, how do they screw up the authors of pain? Really? Like these guys, like NXT got them to where like, man, they come out. You're like, Oh God, these guys are badasses. And now they're just like goofballs basically. Like I, I don't feel that intimidation anymore, you know, from them. And it just, it just sucks. Cause like he finally built a, Road Warrior-like team that feels like they're badasses, and now you just made them a, a a joke, you know. And it's just it's just frustrating, you know. That's a really frustrating part of the WWE, and I like the WWE all in all, you know. I think, I mean, I mean, lucky we got the NXT right, and that kind of keeps everything kind of level for me, you know. But but when it's like, hey, shit, like we talked about it, TLC going there live, watching that event, like. So fun. I thought it was really good. It was a lot of fun. So what do you um just not to stay too long on TLC, but like what were your thoughts on Daniel Bryan AJ Styles? Like, oh no. I after when I when I finished the match, I thought it was either four and a quarter between four and a quarter and four and a half stars. I, I liked it that much. But it wasn't it's hard, right? Because we watch New Japan Wrestling and we see Omega and Okada get to do these like really long matches, or we get to see um, you know the G One where they get to do these these really good matches. And Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles still have to wrestle their style within the context of a WWE match. So there are things that they still probably wish that they could do, but that that they can't because it's not really like their WWE style. And so for a WWE style wrestling classic match, I thought it was about as good as you're going to get from um, from those two guys. Now, I'm trying to, you know, I, I think I think I liked it a little bit better than the Brock Lesnar, Daniel Bryan match, which is, a, you know, it's a memorable one for for different reasons. But, you know, when I look back at what my favorite WWE matches were that were non NXT 
of the year. I think it's this one and um, and the Becky, uh, I'm sorry, and the Charlotte and Becky from the Evolution pay-per-view. I think those are my two favorite non-NXT WWE matches of the year. Yeah, I have to think about that one. That's a good question about that's that's one that will rack my brain. Like, what matches I thought were main roster WWE matches I thought were my favorite? Uh, well, for sure, Daniel Bryan and Brock comes with mine like right away. That that definitely stands. That probably is my favorite match. Um, I thought this one was a really good match. I had it four stars. Um, I thought I thought the crowd was into it, but not like. I'm just want to bring this up because I was shocked by the star rating that Big Dave gave this match. What did he give it? I didn't I even really, see it. I mean, he gave it four and three quarter. Oh, okay. And I was like, four and three quarter? No <laughs> way. <laughs> this is what happens. I don't watch TV soon. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens. I mean, this would have been, that would have been a debate and a half. We were, we were watching this one all together like we normally do, but like, but like I was kind of shocked. What did what did uh, what did Rubio? But now it? now it makes me want to now it makes me want to watch the. Well, yeah, the, we got to watch it on TV, right? Like that's what that's the that's the version that he saw, whereas we saw yeah. a, a different version. And now and now I'm like shit. I gotta watch it again. And I was honestly my homework was to watch to watch like those uh, that match, the TLC match, and the Ronda match before we did this podcast, but. I decided to listen to some music, relax. <laughs> I decided to turn my brain off of wrestling for a little bit. Didn't get around to it. But now, since I saw that star rating, I'm like, man, I better check this out. Cause maybe it was better on TV than. I mean, live, that was good. I was into it. I was, but I think, like, four and three quarter, I think, like, the crowd has to be a lot hotter than it was, you know? To me, that's why I was just curious. To, I mean, from a live perspective for on TV, you know what I mean? So. I'll try to watch that tomorrow morning. That's now that I'll, I'll re- we'll, we'll, we'll maybe we can circle back on our next uh, our next podcast. But enough TLC. I don't want to go too much. I, I was just I was curious and saw that rating and if you agree with it or not. And I know it's star ratings and we shouldn't get too much into it. But it was I was just shocked. I didn't think I, I didn't think it was going to be that high. You know. And the TLC match only got four and a half, which is a great rating, by the way. I know we're bitching and moaning about half of it. But, like, uh, you know, I was like, shit, I thought that was better than that match, honestly. But um, it was interesting. So I have to, I'm going to have to corner Big Dave. We're going to talk about this next time we all meet up. Maybe order some sushi. We need, well, damn it. This is calls for a sushi night. <laughs> rating for Daniel Bryan and style. You're, you're, sushi night's long overdue, though. That's you're, for sure. You're going to give him a piece of your mind. All right. I'm just curious. Like, what's the that? That's all. Okay, so uh, I do want to talk uh, about, again, more, you know, sort of roster movements, but not in WWE. I want to talk quickly about ROH. I watched their pay-per-view on Friday, and I really, really, really wish you were here to watch it because <laughs> Me too. there was a match with Bully Ray and Flip Gordon that was, like, either universally loved or universally hated, but, so I guess it was, that, I guess that means it's polarizing, but, um, oh my god, I, my, my brain was hurting watching this match, and I knew that you would kind of be the leader of, the, of that group of, of, of uh, uh, Logic fans. No. Now, you now now your brain hurt watching that match, right? Yep. Now after watching Tuesday in Texas, did you think about this match? The whole girlfriend and Flip, 
and your brain hurt a little more. Oh my, oh my <laughs> god, dude. About that. Oh my god. Do, right? So bad. So bad. Um, so I guess the, the, the thing that I got out of that pay-per-view was it really hit me like how, what, what, what a lost opportunity that ROH had, like they had the bucks and they have Cody. And you know that if you have the bucks and Cody, you, you probably get Paige and you may get Kenny Omega a little bit here and there. And it's like, it's time to pony up a little bit. You know, if you want to, you know, play, if you want to be a big league company, you got to play, you got to pony up, you know, great organizations don't lose talent. Like talent wants to go to great organizations. And so, you know, I think the ROH fans feel like that they are sort of like the minor leagues. So they're kind of used to this, but I looked at it in a different way, which is this was your opportunity to go all in like to paraphrase right all to go to go all in this is the time and they just let those guys go and so when i at the end of that show what i got out of it was and and look it was it was a pretty fun show like that match aside um you know you get to see jeff cobb and adam page tear the house down that was awesome but at the end i was just like man you know such a lost opportunity and it really i really felt sad after because i was like ah this is kind of the end of an era i don't know where they're going a lot of ROH fans in general, you know, because they were so into like, like they just hit the uh, hit fans over the head, especially live with bully Ray and nothing but heat, 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 heat. And then as I'm about to, you know, write on their tombstone, they get a bunch of guys who I think are going to be pretty darn interesting for them. Um, so obviously I just mentioned Jeff, right? I'm, I'm a big Jeff fan, obviously, He's going to be really good in ROH in 2019. Like, there is a buzz around him that is hotter than it's been, at least on a national level. And the guy is, you know, the guy's going to have an excellent, excellent year. They grab, we talked about this uh, last week. They grabbed PCO and Brody King. And uh, this week, or at the end of last week, uh, we started hearing about Bandito, and we saw Bandito on that All In pay per view. That was sort of his coming out party, and I know the All Elite guys, you know, really liked him. And then uh, I heard from somebody that said, you know, Zack Sabre Jr. is going to be in, and I, I guess he's—I don't know if he's technically signed to ROH, but I, I know that he's sort of signed like through New Japan, who is working, mm-hmm. you know, with ROH, so he's going to be there. Juice Robinson is probably going to be there. And then they sign Will Ospreay. So I look at ROH now and I go, you know what? Like the star power might not be there because the Bucks and Cody were just like they had created this this fervor around them. But man, they still have really good talent. And like now imagine Jeff Cobb working Brody King. Jeff Cobb working Marty Skrull. Jeff Cobb against Will Ospreay. Jeff Cobb against Zack Sabre Jr. Like, all of a sudden, it's like, I'm back in, right? So I thought it was very interesting to see them just, you know, it's kind of weird to me because, like, they just let these great guys go, and then they're like, but we need to sign all these other guys because we need to keep them away from the AEW group. And uh, and so I'm excited again, but I, I still feel like, you know, if you really wanted to be you know, the number two, uh, you could have done what you're doing now and kept the Bucks and Cody 
and Hangman and and the relationship with Omega and and all that. So, um, what do you, what do you what did you think about sort of the signings and just like kind of like the transition for ROH as they head into 2019? Because we know what's coming is AEW if they get that TV deal. Yeah. Um, I think it's nice to y'all, you know, I know, I'm know i sure our Ring of Honor did make an attempt with their budget that they get from Sinclair. Like, Don't give me, the, don't give me no I'm, crap about the budget, man. They needed to go all in. No, okay. No, I'm saying I'm not, I'm not upset with ROH. I'm upset with Sinclair not yeah. seeing... You know, I think they still see ROH as this cool thing they have, this wrestling promotion, but it's you could just tell letting these guys slip away. They didn't; they're not opening their pocketbook anymore. You know what I mean? To keep them, like they they have the fun, they have the money to do it, right? And keep sign a lot more people than just you know the young bucks and doing money. They, if they really wanted to do, they could. You know, there's a, that's like the biggest media group you know out there, so. That was kind of disappointing. I wish Sinclair would have, would have, because like you know, ROH had a really good year. They, they just was up, you know. That's that definitely a lot to do with Cody and the Young Bucks for sure. But, but uh, you know, I was hoping they would invest a little bit more. Now, now with ROH, they took that now that open that money that's open now, right? Without the Bucks, without Cody, and they spread it around to they got a lot of good talented guys. You know, especially you know Jeff Cobb for sure, like. He's going to be a key player, and he should be like he's a guy to build around. And you know, and it's great to get a guy like Zack Saber, you know, and leverage leverage that working relationship with New Japan. You know, get a Juice, get a get a get a Zack Saber, get a Will Ospreay, and, and incorporate that in into the ROH shows, and and keep that synergy going between them too. Because I think they have a really good, really good connection there, and then then did it really well. Um, I think they should also take advantage of getting a young Japanese kid, right? You know, one of the one of those young kids, uh, Red Shoes kid or something like that, just kind of feature him. They should also get like a David Finley. Like that guy's so talented, but he's not really doing much, right? He just kind of he's there and 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 putting the good performances on, but he's never he's not getting that next level. Bring him to ROH, feature him, you know, get him a, get him more of a status and bring him up. I think that's what's going to happen. And, as, and yeah, it's cool, you know. I think it's going to be great, and um, I think ROH will have a strong year. I think the key was getting Will Osprey because he is that draw for that audience that might have left because Cody and Young Bucks got there. But I think an Osprey, Zack Saber, mainly Osprey, really will keep those fans from not like switching off and, and going somewhere else. And I'm now with these signings. I'm curious to see what AEW is going to do with all elite group. Like, who are they going to get? Like, what how's the roster going to look like? Um, did I mean I know they've been all around the world, so I know they've seen a lot of talent. Like, will they find a diamond and rough, which would be great for them to see? You know, um, it, it's it's a like I can't wait to find out, and, and hopefully we'll find out something in a few weeks and and uh, about what's the plan because. Uh, it's good. It's good. Another promotion starting up and another pay place for people to work and make money. So but I'm curious to see who they're going to get. I'm, 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 that's probably my biggest, like, <laughs> thing I want to see in 2019 is just to see how they get their roster going, who's on it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that it's, it's so interesting because, you know, I, 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 I was giving a lot of these guys a little, I mean, 
not not really right. Just my opinion that they could have waited uh, a little while just to see, okay, what what does AEW have? Um, Are they going to get a TV deal? And let how about we can use the leverage of the competition with all three major companies and and they're, you know let's not forget about MLW because uh, they also have mm-hmm. TV, but let's use the leverage of the competition for talent and go with you know what could be the best deal or whatever and and to do that you kind of have to wait to see what AEW has now they may not even get going if they get going until mm-hmm. you know until the fall and so. You you would have to be on the shelf for a little while if you did decide to go with them. But I think the interesting thing is, is let's say that, I mean, I don't know what these ROH deals are uh, as far as like how long, because if you play your cards right, you know, we talk about, you know, someone like, um, like, like what would Bruiser Brody do, you know, in, 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 in this moment, you know, he'd probably make sure that he was a free agent you know, at all the best opportunities to be a free agent. So, you know, maybe maybe he would work for ROH for like, you know, nine months. And then when AEW is ready to go, he's like, OK, I'm a free agent. And then he's got like yeah. AEW, ROH and WWE just like going like, OK, you know, here's a checkbook. What do you want? So, I, I, I mean, I would like to see that happen. And, and the only reason why I say that is because I want these guys to make as much money as, as they can because, you know, they put their bodies on the line like ridiculous and you know the uh, a career is is short, right? So I want I want to see them maximize their opportunity to earn. So that that's just why I look at it that way. Because I look here the reason why is you know I look at it like a, 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 an athlete would look at it like who who is um, marketable and understands their leverage. Uh, you look at like um, someone like Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant on the Warriors. He could have signed last year. He could have signed a five-year deal with the Warriors for over two hundred million dollars. But instead, he goes, "You know what? I'm going to sign continually sign one-year deals so that I can be a free agent every year, and I can look at the landscape of the league, and maybe I want to go to the New York Knicks, and maybe I give them an opportunity." to to change the roster a little bit and maybe it looks a little bit better and all of a sudden it's like oh Kyrie's going to the New York Knicks they already have Porzingis I'm going to join them and be you know we'll I'll, we'll create our own super team there but if not then you sit back and you look at the landscape and you go you know what the Warriors are still the best opportunity for me to win and then maybe you do sign a 5 year deal after that but but just to keep your leverage open you got to believe in yourself for one you got to have so much faith in your ability to continually be hot and maybe that's also part of it is some some of these guys haven't really made a lot of money in their careers so they see like you know oh wow i can actually make this money i'm gonna go do it right now and thus you know that's maybe maybe why you're signing but i do hope that these guys are all smart and you know utilize these companies against each other and make sure that you get the best deal possible and uh, and that you can you know you can you know, be out again in another year and a half, and maybe you know, maybe the the war is still going, because the worst thing for WWE is for all these companies to be around and have the opportunity to be on TV, because the second it, let's let's say AEW doesn't work, let's say ROH is just kind of back to what it was. We we know TNA, you know MLW is going to be around, 
But without the competition, WWE is going to look at all the guys that they've signed to their roster who don't really fit who they want. And the only reason they're signing them is to keep them away from all these companies. And they're just going to cut those guys. And and that's just mm-hmm. the reality of the situation. So these guys shouldn't look to, you know, to give any sort of deals to to the companies because they're not going to give the deals back. They're going to utilize them and they're going to, you know, they're going to book them for all they're worth and get all their value. And then when they're not worth it to them anymore, then they're going to cut them. That's just the reality of sports in general. Like the UFC does, this is not just WWE. UFC does it. Pro football does it, right? Like it's all about what value you can provide now. So I just want to make sure these guys are getting the most possible money and the best deal that, that they can get. Yeah, well, for example, like Marty Scrolls, like this is a second year to your deal. So like by the time AE, you know, all elite starts up, you know, so let's say you start in September. You know, like in a few months, Scroll will be there, right? A few months, Bandito will be there. Like usually, always contract structure like the usually two years deals or the opt out after one. I mean, I think I I wouldn't doubt it. A lot of those guys, if, if AEW is looked to be doing well and paying a little better, like I I can see those guys opting out after the one year, not extending their second year. You know, and going into unless I mean unless. ROH is getting smarter and then they're starting to sign these guys to your deals, right? Right, and then, right. But usually it's the structure has been kind of the same for the most part for a lot of the talent, you know? So it's, like, like I say, like, even though if, if they if all lead decide, if they, if they if they announce something in January, which is being rumored, like, they're not going to start January, you know, 10th. no. <laughs> no. It's gonna take a lot of planning, and the the, the money guys have to get the sponsors involved and get sponsors. I'm sure they already have some, but like, you know, it's gonna take a lot to get going, and then, then you know, and then and, and where they're gonna film, and gonna tape, what buildings they're gonna run. You gotta get someone's gonna manage the house show circuit because you need the house shows to be successful. Um, and what what's their what's their business plan? You know, that's mm-hmm. interesting to see. Yeah, the uh, the other thing that was sort of related today is uh, Matt Jackson said on Twitter that he's like, no, we're, you know, we're not going to be on the MSG show. And Cody has said that prior as well. So, you know, they played a big part in, in that MSG show selling out so quickly as it did for WrestleMania mm-hmm. weekend. And they're not even going to be there. And I get it, you know, that, that that's the way business works and it's where the cookie crumbles and, you know, they're they're not – they're not talent on those rosters anymore. Um, and, uh, but you know, as a fan, as someone who was going to that show, you know, we're all going to that show. I'm kind of a little bit bummed. You know, I, I thought they, they, they would all add something to it, but you know, the show's going to be good nonetheless. Um, and you're right in that, you know, they, they got a lot of work to do if they are starting up this company. Uh, I love that environment. You know, I'm a product of someone who, who likes, being in early stage companies just because it's like you get to start it from scratch and you get to put your imprints on it and stuff. You put your voice and your culture. Uh, and that's, it sounds like they're going to, it's going to be so much work. It's going to be more work than they ever could imagine that they had, but it's going to be theirs and it's going to be so fulfilling if they can actually get it off the ground. Um, but yeah, but it's going to be, it's going to be a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of work. So, um, 
You know, they, they're there because they're still probably going to do shows even before a TV deal would would start because, you know, they did the all in last year. I imagine they're going to do another one, you know, between now and October. Like, why wouldn't they? I mean, I think the rumor the rumors has been Memorial Day, you know, as far as doing a second show. Mm-hmm. So uh, so that, you know, that that they're probably like going to be working on that, like in the meantime. But uh, yeah, I, that was my, that's probably a good idea. Kick off, do a, another all in. And Memorial Day, and I think you before the I think they actually they could probably actually get away with before doing like their first TV taping, they could probably do like their own pay per view to kind of be almost like a a kickoff to the TV. You know, what yeah, I mean? like yeah. I think they could. I think they could pull that off instead of the. Uh, you know, it's kind of against. They're always against. They're always they do different than norm, right? So like. Instead of doing TV to build the pay-per-view, I think they could actually start off with the pay-per-view to kind of like, hey, this is our brand. This is AEW. This is what we're going to be featuring on our TV. Check it out. And then it, it, and then people are like, oh, man, I want to tune in. If they can keep this up, make sure they're like, I mean, I'm curious, like, do they have time to stick indie bookings? Would they be opening new tickets? Indie bookings, I, I wouldn't if I was them. Cody Young, but I would keep them off these indie shows because they, they become less special, right? They keep working, you know, the, you know, the indie shows. So, but I don't think they will, but. And realistically, they can get hurt. Yeah, they can get hurt. And why put their body on the line, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah. yeah. Fun time. Yeah. Um, so. I, I guess, uh, I guess we're, we're in wait and see mode, but you know what, what becomes must watch TV for me now and I don't always like this show and I don't always watch it, but I feel like being the elite is starting to to become more like a must see show because there's so many there's so many little clues and hints to what they're doing in that show. And and I think that's where you're gonna be able to to find the real news in what they're doing. And they'll probably announce a lot of stuff on being the elite. So that's it's that that's gonna be a little bit more must see for me than it's been in the past. Um, okay, so let's get to the fun part. Not that that wasn't fun, but this is really fun, which is a look back into our childhood. The date is December 3rd, 1991. So how old would you have been? I don't know. <laughs> I'm 41 now. So, so what have you been, 14? What have you been, 14? Just, tur- just turned 14? No. 91, I'm just starting like... I'm in my 14. Shoot, God. 91, December 91. Yeah, I'm going to like my sophomore year, I think. Yeah. So. Yeah, you're right. So, as a child, I luckily was able to watch most of the WWE pay per views because of the infamous black boxes that were oh, the greatest, running uh, rampant around, around uh, everybody's neighborhood back then. And so, uh, WWF would do Survivor Series on actual Thanksgiving. So the first, th- I believe is the first three Survivor Series shows was actually on Thanksgiving Day. Now, I didn't get to watch the first one because there's the famous story that, you know, WWE runs Survivor Series basically to cut off Starcade. And so all of the cable, uh, Vince McMahon made all of the cable companies pick. He basically said, 
if you don't go with us, you're not getting WrestleMania, which was an absolute lie like that. That actually didn't happen. But only like a handful of the cable companies stayed with NWA, with Crockett. And one of those companies was my San Jose TCI or Gill Cable or whatever it was back then. And so instead of getting to see the very first Survivor Series, instead I got to see Starcade 87, which I was fine with, you know, after after the fact, after after my heart got to get fulfilled again because I missed, you know, Hogan and Andre in that in that main event elimination match. Um, I was, mm-hmm. I, you know, I watched, I, I watched that Starcade 87 tape to death. I'm surprised I, I would, you know, it was running pretty, pretty lean at, at probably after my 30th viewing, but I did get to see Survivor Series 88, Survivor Series 89. I'm sorry, Survivor Series. Yeah. Survivor Series 88, Survivor Series 89, Survivor Series 90. So maybe it was four years in a row that they did Thanksgiving and in Survivor Series 91, they did it the day before Thanksgiving. So that would have been on a Wednesday. So Wednesday, uh, I, I was, uh, I think this is, I think this is how it worked. I was playing basketball, uh, in high school and I met, uh, I, we got out of practice really late on Wednesday night and I jammed home and I got to, I think I got, I probably missed, I must have I must have missed the first match, the Bret Hart Skinner match, but I got in there I got there in time to see the Hogan and Jake the Snake stuff, which we'll talk about. But so, you know, the, I, I'm I'm so in tune with the stuff that, and and then they they have the finish of of Survivor. What am I What am I talking about? I, I, I was I got home to watch Survivor Series. So whatever the main match was, Survivor Series, I missed like maybe the first hour. But I got I caught the end of it. And so then Hogan and, and Taker they have the issue with the Nature Boy, and then Undertaker wins a title, and they come back with this Tuesday in Texas. And so not this they this kind of thing never happened before. You you, you we would have to wait like. Three or uh-huh. you know three months or even longer between pay per views, and that also means like you rarely see any of the stars in prominent positions on TV. But in this case, we had two shows that were like within six days of each other, and pay per view shows all hot. Uh, you know, all the top guys. Th- uh, though on this Tuesday in Texas, we didn't actually get to see the Ric Flair Roddy Piper match, which I was always bothered with for whatever reason. Like, why couldn't they put that on the pay per view? Um, and and so it created this 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 show. So I did a little bit of research, and um, you know I think most people who follow this stuff pretty closely know the story, which is WWE wanted to just test if you could do a hot angle and come back with a pay per view and see if you can kind of like double your money, right? Like let's try to get two shows out of one pay per view cycle instead of just one. It'll be a che- it'll be less expensive. It'll be shorter. And they had booked a uh, they had booked uh, what is it San Antonio for the Tuesday of the next week, and ran a show. And then after that finish on uh, Survivor Series '91, where Taker wins the belt, they run the thing that says that they're going to do the rematch, you know, on TV. So uh, on the pay per view, so you have uh, you 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 just have this hot thing coming out of uh, of a show that probably did decent business. And let's see if we can do it again. So that's sort of the genesis of it. Um, I don't think it was very successful because 
Vince was kind of against doing like, you know, more than the normal four or five pay-per-views after, because I don't think this was all that successful for his, for his standards, obviously. But, um, but yeah, so, so that's kind of the genesis of, of this show and why it was put together. And, and yeah, let's talk about it, man, because, you know, we we were very high on that TLC show, but there was still stuff on this show, which in the ring may not have been as athletic or as, you know, crazy moves or or whatever. But still where where it just sort of sunk like it just it, it just had some teeth to it and uh, just it just it just stuck with me. And I was like, gosh, this is this is why I, I you know, I really liked wrestling when I was a kid because this stuff felt like it mattered. Um but did you have the same problem with them not showing Flair and Piper when you figured out that that match was also on the show? Um, later on, I found out that, yeah. What's interesting on this show, there's a lot of interesting tryouts. <laughs> mm-hmm. You look at the result, there's like the Bruce Brothers had a tryout. Yeah, yep. Chris Walker versus Brian Lee match. I mean, all that stuff I would love to see. Like just because Sir Sir Charles uh, Sir Charles as you know the Godfather who becomes a Godfather, the Godfather he wrestles yeah. as Sir Charles. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, like yeah, I, would, I would love to see that. I know it's the vault number, so that'd be kind of cool. Hidden gem in the future, the full Tuesday in Texas card would be a lot of fun to see. Um, um, yeah, I, I, I now looking back, I'm trying to you know, tell me your memory of this pay per view. I didn't watch Survivor Series. You know, I used my, my buddy would tape it. I would get the tape later, but this time around, he was really out of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would debug him to tape it. And, You're on your own, man. Yeah. yeah. So basically, I would have to wait till the Coliseum video came out and watch it. And so I remember, you know, back then there was no like, no one was watching. None of my friends, all my friends were out of it. It was just me alone watching pro wrestling. And I remember that Saturday morning on Superstars, the opening, before they did the whole, like, you know, uh, intro, was Paul Bear, Undertaker interview, with the title belt over his shoulder. And I was like, what? He beat Hulk Hogan? Like, I just figured, like, traditional, like, you know, I'm just a customer. Like, this is the new monster that's going to lose to Hulk Hogan, right? And I was like, wow. Then they started pushing this Tuesday Texas thing. And I'm like, this, what, what, what channel? Like, I didn't realize they were in the same pay-per-view. I was just so excited. Yeah. And so I didn't really see the pay-per-view until it got released on Coliseum Video, like one of those super tapes, you know? Mm-hmm. So I basically, my only thing of Tuesday in Texas was, um, was the highlights they got on TV. And so... Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun to kind of look back at the show, and made me like it. Just this old stuff makes just just hits me over the head. Like, yes, matches wrestlers today are more athletic, and they do a lot of more moves. And, and but like the simple storytelling, I still see for the most majority of what's going on these days lacks, you know, and. And like this is like 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 that match with Brown Skinner. How simple is that? I mean, simple, but it was like easy story to follow, right? The match, it was a nice pace. Like you got every every twist and turn. It wasn't it wasn't like overly complicated, and, and, and it was a nice solid match. You know what hit me also is uh, the commentary 
was it's like a hundred times better with Monsoon and Heenan just being hey they they have their own like variety show going on at the same time as they're doing commentary it's it's just like they're 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 just playing off each other the whole time but you know I think Gorilla just deservedly so gets a lot of flack for using like certain terms that are really general and he's not really calling the match as much as he's like yeah telling you know, kind of telling the viewer uh, a little bit of the story and like he's really pro babyface. So, you know, everything the babyface does is is right. And, and even when Heenan and, and Ventura would call him out for a babyface doing something wrong, like he would still be pro babyface or give an excuse. But what I realize is like, look, I don't remember. I remember the Jake stuff. I remember the Hogan stuff. I don't remember anything else about this show. So they told me you know, Bret Hart's Intercontinental Champion. Skinner, at this point, supposedly is undefeated because he, Heenan said he was undefeated. And uh, they basically told me why this match is interesting or important and, and you know, why it matters. And all the things that were relating to the stories going on with the product at that point, they're, like, bringing all that stuff up. So I, I just, I kind of got sucked back in and I was like, oh, yeah, now I remember. Oh, yeah, now I remember. But that's like what that's that that was really good in 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 uh, in the commentary was just the they they sort of set the the play the they they the setting was really was really good and I felt like you know they were telling me everything I needed to know in order to watch this match and understand what was going on. Well, what about just the energy that Bobby Heenan and his grill boxer had like the whole show? You know, just just the energy was very up. It, it was like the commentary today now with the three person team it just kind of goes like it's just like the energy is lo- like low like them are just like boom 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 the whole show and um and you know i'm sure yeah girl monster even said some wacky stuff and fake medical facts sometimes <laughs> and and uh kills heat for certain moves we'll talk about that later um but but at the same time like i i enjoy his energy and maybe it's a little nostalgic because i hear his voice and just kind of we go back to our little kids watching this stuff, but I just like him. Him and Bobby Heenan's energy was just like a, just like a lot of fun, you know. And I just, and they just throughout the whole show. Yeah, and you know Bobby Heenan was telling me that Skinner lived in the in the in the swamps. You know, he sleeps in the sleeping bag. I don't believe <laughs> that one, but <laughs> but uh, but you know, the, the match with Bret Hart was you know this is a prototypical Bret Hart match. It was really good. Um, you know, Steve Kern Skinner is a is a good wrestler and. And, like, the stuff, like, okay, this is what I'm talking about. Like, when Skinner hits his finisher, the reverse DET. Yep. Like, he locks it in, holds it. People recognize it. Oh, he's going to hit his finisher. Then he does it. Now, guys do it, boom. Hit it, cover, kick out, right, or finish. But, like, I really enjoyed this. That's the veteran move right there, the setup, the pacing, the taking your time to show the crowd and, you know, and get people. And then he hits it, and then. And of course, Grill Monsoon and, and the Bobby Heenan did a great job of reacting to it once he hit it because it's been established for weeks, beating jobbers that this is his move, you know. And and it's just, it was a nice, it was a really cool little uh, near fall. I think Bradley, <laughs> I think Skinner, he did. You know, I'm talking about great position, that great move, veteran move. This guy, I think he needed to get him a little bit closer to the rope so Brett could put a foot on that. Just kick out of it, but so do you, do you think? Do you think that 
the wrestlers don't do that because they're just simply trying to remember stuff that they have to go through? Or do they do that because they go, well, he's in a kick out of this anyways. So why do I sell it that hard? Because if I do, then it looks like he just I like my best move can't beat him. But if I don't like do the whole display and I just do it real quick and go for a quick cover and he kicks out, it's like, who cares? Are you talking about today's wrestling? Yeah, today's wrestling. No, I just think they're stupid. Like, I don't don't think they understand that part of it as much as the older guys did, you know? And and, and I'm not saying the older is better and all that crap because, you know, it's it's good in some ways, bad in some ways. Each generation is different. But but I'm just saying, like, when it comes to, like, you know, hitting, protecting move. You know, for sure, like, like, yeah, God, I, I, I mean, how many finishers are kicked out of and they don't mean anything, you know? And I just think that's a, that's an issue. But, like, like Skinner's move has been protected because on TV he's just been beat jobbers with it and he hits with Red Heart, you know. I really think that he should have hit a close of the road so Brett could put his foot over. But maybe the, maybe the, 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 the you know, the story of the match, like, no, I don't even want Brett to kick out of it because, you know, he's still fairly new as the Intercontinental Champion. He just won it in um, August, right? So he's yeah. still establishing Brett as this great champion. So maybe they wanted to kick out. I just thought it was interesting. Like For me, if I'm like Skinner or Steve Kerr, I'm like, no, nah, I want you to put your foot on the rope. <laughs> I don't want you to, you know, to kill my finisher. But, yeah. But, uh, but you know, it's a, like, like, if, like if we talked about the prototypical Bret Hart match of the era, like that, this was it, right? I mean... That's why. That's what. That's why. When it was over, that's why I took away from it. Like this is a Bret Hart match to the T. So the second match is the one that we've been kind of teasing about how to really do a grudge match, and it's Jake and Randy. And this angle was so memorable that uh, most people, you know, who be who were wrestling fans, you know, maybe even not as old as us, they could have been younger, but it's so memorable just because of all the things that happened. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, people remember the um, the SummerSlam pay per view where Savage and Elizabeth, you know, who are already married in real life, do the wedding, which is a setup for Jake to uh, what did he put a snake in like one of the gift boxes or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, Elizabeth opens it and you just hear a scream and sort of that starts that starts the feud, which then. You know, Savage has been retired by the Ultimate Warrior, so he can't really fight. He can't get back in the ring. He's an announcer. Jake keeps, you know, keeps trolling him, trolling him, trolling him. Um, And then finally Savage comes into the ring and he gets tied up into the ropes. And then Jake gets his snake to uh, to suck on his bicep. When you saw that, like, what were you thinking? Like when you were like, what? Like. This is like kind of real. Like it was like almost too real for me when I watched it when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I, I freaked out. You know, I had to tell my dad, check this out. Snake's biting Macho Man's arm. And he's like, ah, it's fake. Too much that. But I'm like, whoa, you know, because I never, I never, never seen anything that hardcore. Yeah. In the WWF for sure. Like NWA, WWE, we see, we see some blood, you know, but like. Plastic bag over the head. Hardcore. And then they even got of a hardcore shoot. It got even worse in Tuesday in Texas. So like, I mean, in a good way though. That was it was. I mean, I don't know. Maybe not a good way. You know, in this day and age. But like, I don't know. I, I, I was watching that angle Tuesday in Texas. I was wondering like, what would people think of it today? You know? 
I, I, yeah, I thought the same thing. And, and I, th- I think at the end it got a little bit too far. We'll get to there in a second. But um, so the, the, it starts off with Jake doing his Jake interview. Um, oh, so good. So good. You know, there's, a, there's always uh, a hint of, you know, it's about Macho Man. It's about him and Macho Man. But he was always able to throw Elizabeth in there a little bit to, like, kind of get you. Because, every you know, every wrestling fan always wanted to protect Elizabeth, right? We, were, we always were like, no, you can't do that to Elizabeth. Like, she, you, you know, you can do that to everyone else but Elizabeth. And so he, he throws Elizabeth in there and so kind of gets you a little fired up. Savage does, like, a, the, like a crazy man interview before the match. Like, I'm not even sure he knew what Jake said, but he knew that Jake said a couple of keywords, so he kept, like, harping on those those a couple things that Jake said. And then, you know, and then he gets it. He runs out to the ring. Elizabeth is, like, screaming at him because he just jetted out. And uh, as Jake's coming to the ring, his music is playing. Macho Man just runs after him while he's uh, doing the interview with Gene. And then he attacks Jake, and it's on. And immediately... Even if you didn't know what was going on, like even if you had no idea what the beef was, the fact that the baby face jumps the heel before the bell is like, okay, like he just, he he couldn't take it anymore. Like he, Uh all the stuff that this guy did to him, he just could not take it anymore and he had to attack him. And this is the thing that was missing. Like, you you described how you would have booked Seth and Dean. Like, Dean is basically telling Seth that, you know, <laughs> that, you know, that they were never, whatever, they were never friends, whatever. And then bringing Roman Reigns in and, he, you know, about making fun of the cancer and all that stuff, right? Like, at some point, oh. if Seth had any dignity or integrity... He, at some point, he just doesn't stand for it, right? And that's what was missing yeah. from that match. But here, Macho Man is like, you know what? I, I, I don't even want to wait. I, I can't I can't wait for you to do your entrance. I You know, Pomp and Circumstance hasn't played yet. That's my entrance. I love that. But I'm not going to let you get out there. I need to attack you now. And that just set the whole thing off. Because I wouldn't even call this a, a good match it was just a, it was just like a it was I like call a, it a great match. It was personally. like a it was it was just like a great fight and a and a great like if you if you were trying to like to understand like wrestling psychology of you know I to use wrestling terminology like the heat and the shine and all that kind of stuff like it was all about savage finally getting his hands on Jake. And then even when he pinned him, it was almost like, okay, you won the match, but it's still not enough. Like you still have to continue beating him up. Mm -hmm. And then when he did, Jake caught him and he hit him with like three of the greatest DDTs in the entire world. And savage. And then like, it was almost like savage finally got that win, but Jake won the war. And just that part of it, like, how could you like, I mean, you could respect, you know, sort of the understanding of the work of the wrestling, but as a wrestling fan, how could you like Jake? Jake was a despicable guy. And then at the end, he takes Elizabeth and he takes like three fingers and I don't think he really hits her, but he pretends like he slaps her on the chin and she takes a bump. And at that point, you're like, 
like I, I just I, I I want to physically harm Jake myself. Like it was so it was such a they did such a great job about manipulating my emotions as a fan. Even watching this now, you know how many how many years later? Almost you know thirty years later or whatever. Like that, it just the, the, you don't see that stuff anymore. Yeah, I was uh, I was shocked when I saw the highlights on TV when Jake slapped Elizabeth. Like I just never, I, I just didn't think you would ever see something like that, right? You know, as much as people remember the power drivers of you know, Bill McGillicuddy or Francie from Tommy Dreamer, like none of those had a smidgen of impact as Jake smacking Elizabeth, right? Like, that was, that was pretty, like, wow. I mean, I, I, I wonder, I would love to be in that, when Vince to get the approval for that or decide to go that, that hardcore with it. Um, you forget to mention, though, Macho Man had the biggest feather in that cowboy hat. <laughs> <laughs> as much rage as Macho Man has, like, it's the, the, that feather, that big old, uh, was it, uh, Fluorescent green <laughs> in the hat was just hilarious. And you know what? That hat stayed on for a damn good long time, and that brawl, and that's, that's a damn good hat. But like, but no, like the intensity of that. Oh man, like, yeah, he, he couldn't wait to get his hands on Jake. Like mm-hmm. he wanted his revenge. Runs out there, boom, boom, boom. And it's, you know the match is like six minutes long, and and it's like a perfect length because it doesn't have to be this long twenty minute thing. It needs to be bam, 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 bam. And then Jake was just, Jake's a master psychologist. I just watched a recent match of him from like 1980-something. And oh, my goodness gracious, that guy was brilliant. And and the angle, the only, oh, I, to, the, the nitpick is angle. If I can only nitpick one thing, it's Earl Hebner. Like, Earl Hebner, okay, if you're seeing... Um, like, even just on his Jake's abuse on Macho Man, right? Mm-hmm. Like, where he's like, come on, Jake, that's enough, that's enough. Eventually, like, you have to step in and get aggressive, right? Yeah. You have to, he should have grabbed, he should have grabbed Jake by the arm, tried to pull him off physically. Jake rears back and just gives him a punch. He doesn't have to beat him, just punches him, boom, punches that mirror. He goes out, or he can give him a hard push, right? Then, because look, because when Elizabeth is like over savage and she's crying, she's telling him to stop. Like, doesn't Earl ever look like an idiot just not doing anything? Other than saying, <laughs> "Come on, Jake." She, she, she just did. She, 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 she said she's begging, Jake. She says she's begging. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a horrible one. Like, that's the only mis, that was a miscalculation. Like, they should have had, they should have Hebner. Should have tried to get physically involved to protect. You know, now, not only not only Savage is being like brutalized. Like now you got this poor woman who, you know, who's Jake's threatening her. He hasn't done anything yet, but he's being creepy and threatening her. Like as a man, I don't care if you're not the toughest guy on the block. Like you have to stand up, right? You have to do something. And I think that would have been good for. I mean, he just needs to. I mean, no one expects Earl Hebner to make a comeback and toss Jake Roberts over the top rope. Yeah, but as a man. A family respect. Hey, at least he tried to stand up for her, you know. And I think that that that's the that's the only thing I complain about. But other than that, I thought the angle was fantastic. Um, some people might have thought maybe it went too long with Jake and, and leading up to the slap, but 
it's kind of it was kind of like a like a like a, a really good horror film where the tension is, is like building up to the kill right or the chase and like you're like oh my god just just get get it too because I can't, can't wait any longer it just felt like that like it yeah just felt like Jake was like you're like you know he's gonna snap what's he gonna do ah oh, I thought I, I mean god, it's been a while since I've seen this and think I don't know. I'm glad it was like out of whim. I just threw it out. Like, let's watch Tuesday in Texas because I was trying to think of an event that happened in December, and I was kind of just like going, like, "What WWE events are memorable in December?" I was let's just like take a look, and I was like, "Oh, Tuesday in Texas, what the hell? That should be fun." Yeah, no, it was great. Thank, thank goodness because what a match, man! What an match and angle. And the only thing I can think about after it was over, like that that program ended pretty quickly after that, right? Yeah, that soon, that's the main flaw with this entire program is that it ends like in in february like i think they do something at royal rumble like in that yeah. match and it, then it ends the on rumble. like yeah and then it ends on like saturday night main event because at the end of the saturday night main event i think jake tries to attack them again and then like the undertaker stops him and then that leads to yeah, the like undertaker jake, and jake kinda, feud yeah exactly like savage and losers are walking back to the back from the ring into the locker room. They cut to Jake at the curtain with a chair saying he's going to call the first person who walks through. They cut back to Savage Liz is walking to the curtain. Of course, Liz is in front of Savage, so he's going to hit a Liz with a chair. But, of course, when he's going to swing it, Undertaker stops him, and Undertaker turns to face. But I don't know if it's the issues with Vince and Jake Roberts, and they decide to, you know, you know, speed up that program where I think, you know, Jake, you know, Undertaker was always going to turn babyface against Jake, but maybe because Jake leaves right after WrestleMania night in that must have been eight, right? Like right after that's his last match. I think so. In the WWF. Yeah. He shows up in WCW for that not so memorable run. <laughs> great, great beginning. Bad ending in WCW. Yep. <laughs> yep. Robert. So the, the Savage interview after this match is so great because he cannot control his emotions at all. He feels that he let Elizabeth down. It's all mm-hmm. his fault. He says that a hundred times. It's my fault. It's my fault. It's my fault. Poor Sean Mooney's got to got to hang in there with the crazy Randy Savage going nuts, and uh, Savage like can't even stay on the mic because he's like walking in circles. And I Mo- love that Mooney's like trying to keep the mic in front of him, but Savage is off mic for some of it. It was or the it cameraman was, trying to keep up with him. Oh I yeah, love that too. Then that Savage goes to the ground, like he like oh. just goes to the ground, like this, like you, you. I mean, because you never see stuff like that, that's why it's memorable. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then there's another nitpick thing: <laughs> when Mean Gene interviews Jake Roberts, right? Post, I think Mean should be like, "I'm not interviewing you. I'm disgusted and walk off." Right? Like that's what should have happened. Like any, I mean, I know it's his job, but he's a reporter, and you have to interview the guy. I would. It'd be nice to see like someone be so disgusted. I, I can't even. I can't even be in the same room with you right now. What you did to live, you know? I think that would have been cool. Nice little touch on that. That'd have been interesting then, to do. And then Jake would grab the mic and then just do the promo. Adam, yeah, get out of here. You know, do the thing, you know. Or, or I, I mean, like, or he could have just like snagged it out of Mean Gene's hand, and then you just focus on him too. Yeah. You know, but, you know, Gene has to give us a moment in there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah. so, so, so if you're if 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 you're the British Bulldog and the Warlord, you got to follow this. 
And I will hey. say that I like this match better than I thought it would like this match. Because, good. because you have two just ginormous dudes, and I don't think anybody is going to, you know, make a claim that the Warlord was like an all-time guy or anything, but he looks impressive. He uh, he knows how to do the strongman stuff. Um, may, okay, maybe the, maybe the full Nelson spot went about like a, a minute and a half too long. But uh, Bulldog is is over and, you know, he's still sort of athletic, even though he's so jacked up like crazy. And he does the he does the crucifix pin to win the match. It probably didn't need to go 12 minutes, but I I found myself at least at least for about the first seven or eight minutes. I was like, wow, this is a lot better than I remember. And then it kind of dragged in the end. But still, I thought this was a pretty good match. I mean, I'm. Yeah, it was a really good match. Yeah, I'm gonna say it was, a, it was a really good match. I mean, they told a good story. Uh, things led to another in a nice way. I just this is perfect stuff. Like, and they worked hard. I thought, you know. And then, uh, uh, you know, Warlord. <laughs> you know, he's very limited. I always make fun of Warlord's like over <laughs> his like headlock forms the back. <laughs> it's just like the best. I just love that. But then, uh, you know, he does a nice double, like suplex. You know, Dave Boogie's on the top rope. There's a cool, a great piece of the power slam. Holy cow, that was awesome. But they picked the Warlord up. The Warlord's holding up to the top rope, top rope, top rope. Oh, man, I thought that was great. Uh, the Crucifix is a perfect finish for this kind of match. Um, the full Nelson spot was a little bit long. Maybe it could have been a little shorter. And also didn't help. We had to grow a monsoon. Just like, just telling us right away he didn't have it locked. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which he, you know, not like Monsoon's, you know, he's known to do this, known to bury the referees and, and, uh, just not sell finishers well. But, uh, but I, you know, shoot, I was, I mean, I don't really remember this match. But, and then when I watched it, I was like, well, that's pretty good. And, you know, good on them because, uh, you know, they had a, they had a lot to follow with the Savage stuff. And I thought, I thought you know what? Good on them to get the crowd into it. Still, the crowd was still pretty good in that match. So, uh, and then this is a match that I totally didn't even remember actually happened, Me which too. is the Repo Man of all people, oh. and yeah. uh, Ted DiBiase with Sherry. It was kind of cool seeing Sherry out there. Oh yes, uh, defeating Tito Santana, who was now the El Matador character, and Virgil. And you know the whole thing was was Virgil and DiBiase uh, and and. Again, probably match was probably a couple minutes too long. Uh, Virgil is is not the best guy. He can huh. he can do he can do some stuff. Um, and DiBiase, uh, it was almost I, I would I would almost say that it was a waste of him. Um, but you know he, he he I guess they made it work. I just but the only thing that I was thinking when I was watching this match is. I just want to see the main event <laughs> like this poor match yeah. like you know it was whatever for what it was it, it wasn't bad at, in any way it was just like I was not interested the the story that they were telling like you know Repo Man was never really uh, really over uh, and I just couldn't wait till the main event so uh, DiBiase wins after Virgil goes to attack Sherry <clears throat> and this is the baby face going after the the woman here and he like he he's like he like grabs her and she's on the apron and he turns her around 
as if he was going to give her like a forearm to the chest or something. But then from behind, the Repo Man gives him uh, gives him a knee, and DiBiase follows up with a pin, and Virgil, you know, the, that that knee that knee to the back finisher from the Repo Man put him out. Yeah, well, that, that's a kind of a typical finish of the eighties, nineties. Um, but I thought actually they executed that finish really well. I thought um, I thought uh, I think. Virgil looked good towards the end. He got something, but then and then DiBiase hitting the program with his pin. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, the only thing I really took away from this match, rewatching it, is like fucking DiBiase is really good. Like he made Virgil look really good. I mean, he was working hard. He like he knew this match. You could tell he knew his matches. You know, no one's gonna care because next is the main event with Hogan and Undertaker. But like. He made his presence known with bumping all over that ring. I mean, he took some really good bumps. I mean, he always took great bumps. He, he obviously is one of, the, one of the very best in the ring ever, I think. You know, he can do it all, face, face, heel. I thought that was, uh, I thought that was, uh, I thought that was pretty impressive, just seeing that. Just seeing DiBiase do his thing, because, hey, he can go with Tito Santana. We know that, right? But, like, the story is him and Virgil, and he had a, and plus his partner, you know, Smash and demolition, <laughs> <laughs> repo man characters is not. Ugh, that was pretty bad. Other than he did have some cool theme music though, for sure. But uh, other than that, repo man was a definitely forgettable character. Definitely, but forgettable. yeah, DB awesome performance, like the one, I think one man show, pretty much. You know, that was, that was pretty awesome. Heenan Heenan did have kind of a funny line though when he said that the repo man even repoed. The mask from Zorro or something? <laughs> no, the Lone Ranger's mask. A Lone Ranger, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Uh, okay, so mm. we, we get to Hogan and Taker. This is not a very good match, but it is it is Hogan still fairly close to his WWE peak, right? He like he he wasn't. Uh, you you could probably say. His feud with Savage, he's probably at his highest peak as a performer. But, you know, this is not that much longer. It's 1991. He's kind of, you know, he he will be on his way out pretty soon, but he's still Hulk Hogan in this match. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if it was a, like a chemistry issue, but there was like a couple of, ish, a couple of things where, I th- you know, it, they just did not, they, they, they weren't really on the same page. Um like, like, there's a, a spot where Hogan clotheslines Taker over the top rope, and I think Taker wanted him to hit him a little harder to give him the momentum to go over, and Hogan kind of hit him light, so it was like a struggle, like, for the move to happen. Um, and then there's um, there's the, the weird situation where Taker goes into the ropes, and, like, did the rope snap, or did he trip, or... No. What no, happened? He, he turned too soon and then the, when he hit the rope he hit the rope high on his back which which you're not supposed to be that high and it snapped and hit him in the back of the neck which could be dangerous and could knock a guy out or hurt a neck or something like that so he's he is very lucky what I'm impressed about that situation is that that happened he didn't break character and they kept going and it wasn't like it stood out, but like nothing like the mask and filling. So, and a lot, a lot of the stuff they kept. There's, there's definitely a, an issue with the chemistry. I'll talk about that too. Yeah, and and so most of the Undertaker's offense was like this, like 
nerve hold or chin hold or like he just had his hand around like yeah. the bottom of Hogan's face. And so that that was a lot of his offense for Hogan. It was a punch, a chop, an eye rake. Like he raked the Undertaker's eyes like 10 times. <laughs> uh, and and it, the whole thing was like, you know, a normal Hogan match is, is he's on the offense. It gets, it's hot. Uh, it breaks down and then he sells for a while and then he comes back and he wins with the big boot. And that's, that's kind of like the story of his of his matches. But here, when you thought that they were getting to the finish, the Undertaker's gimmick is that he doesn't he doesn't sell. Like he doesn't feel pain like he doesn't die. Right. And so there were a couple times times I was like, oh, here comes here comes finish. Hogan's about to hit the leg drop. He'll get a moving throws Undertaker into the ropes back elbow or top elbow, whatever you want to call it. And then Undertaker would like quickly like do something and Hogan's back back to selling. So there was a, it was a little bit of like a, a different style of Hogan match um, than you're used to. And I caught myself a couple times like going like, okay, this match is over, ready to do the podcast. And like, oh no, it's not over yet. Um, and, and, so, uh, and so that happened many, many, many times. So Flair comes out. And uh, Jack Tunney is ringside. He said that he was going to watch the match to so that there was no shenanigans, right? Yeah. Is that so? That's what happened. So, so Flair comes out. Hogan sends Undertaker out of the ring. Hogan sees Flair. He comes over. Flair had interfered in the in the Survivor Series match, so he's got beef with Flair. Flair's got his back turned. And you know that 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 heel Hulk Hogan hits him right in the back with the chair, and he's so close to Tunney that he <laughs> topples over Tunney, and like he kind of like just falls on Tunney. So Tunney's out, and this is you know giving Tunney credibility in a sense because he can't see what's what's going on in the finish, which is Hogan actually using the Undertaker's urn, taking out the ashes, throwing him in his face. And then he rolls him up. He doesn't even use a move. And then the ref comes in and pins, uh, calls uh, calls for the pin, even though the Undertaker's face has all kinds of black dust <laughs> on it. So, you know, the, the interesting sort of way to to end it. But I mean, it it works in the sense that you know, it's still there's still some curiosity around if Hogan really won the match or not, or if they're going to hold up the title. And so there's like you know, you go off the air. With people going like, oh, man, I got to watch Superstars to see what happens next or to see what the thing is. So overall, like, I mean, it was like, you know, I'm sure they did exactly what they wanted to do. It just getting there was not like Hogan has done things like this in so much of a better way. Seeing the the actual um, the actual uh, layout of everything, it was a little disappointing considering, you know, Undertaker then, you know, under, this is early in Undertaker's career, right? He's only been around for a year in WWE, and then he would become, like, the best big man in the history of the company. But for here, like, when you think about Undertaker, you're like, oh, I want to see Undertaker Hogan. It, it, was, it was pretty disappointing of a match if you're thinking of who the Undertaker actually becomes. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I wanted to kind of go back and watch the Fire Series match again. But there was some communication there. Now I'm trying to think, well, why? And I do, when I was researching this after I watched it, I mean, you observer at time, there was, they mentioned that they had to be off the air, like, right at, right at the time, right? They couldn't go over because then it'll cost more. And they didn't have much time. Like, the match is pretty short. Not like Hogan's matches were very long, but this was, 
this was like a really short main event match, and that's why I was kind of I would have scratched the tag match in the beginning and mm-hmm. give these guys more, a little more time. So I wonder if there was like an urgency by Vince and the agents to be like, hey, you know, you got this much time. So they're working fast. And I think they, I, I just want to think they might cut something out and they were lost on, you know, like things that they're going to do. Like right off the bat, there's a miscommunication. Like Hogan goes to pick up, pick up uh, Undertaker, slams the, in the corner. But Undertaker lifts his arm up to give him a forearm shot to the back, but he doesn't give it, right? Later on, he does that soon after that because that's what the plan was. Um, there was a clothesline on the top rope, and Hogan was supposed to get draped over with the with the neck breaker of the rope, mm-hmm. and that was supposed to be the cutoff. But I don't know. Hogan wasn't there for it. You know, Undertaker went for it, but then kind of like goes down. So then uh, Hogan calls an audible and tells Undertaker to grab his feet. So Undertaker grabs his feet, pulls them out. They go to the outside and they use the post to get the start the heat. Right? That that was pretty. That was it. That was interesting. And then uh, yeah, there's that. There's the moment where Undertaker, you know, like got got uh, whiplash from the top rope, and Undertaker was seemed to be. I think he turned, like you yeah, say, he did turn too soon. So he's going for that big clothesline off the rope. Mm-hmm. And he, I think he was just, he went too fast. He went too fast and didn't realize he was a little too far to turn. And that's why the rope was high up on his back, you know, neck area. That's when it snapped him. Um, but, I mean, all in all, though, like people like, I mean, good worker, you know, people would think there's different ways to describe a good worker. To me, what a good worker is is someone that can kind of think on their feet and 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 change things up. Like, I mean, Hogan seamless and all that stuff, right? Like, yeah. I mean, unless you're like really noticing it, like myself or you or, or someone like you know like that. But like a lot of people don't know notice that stuff. But to me, it's like impressive that Hogan. There's no concern on his face mm-hmm. during all that. Mm-hmm. There's like none at all. And like all that stuff, especially the hangman into the ropes, and then that didn't work off. So hey, you know, he grabs grabs Undertaker and tells him, hey, grab my feet, but don't pull me out. Okay, now let's, I'm right over here. Okay, now I'm gonna give you a headlock and whip me in the into the post. You know, like all that was like just you know, like he's calling all that. We can't see. The, I can't see his mouth moving. Yeah, you know, I can't see any of that. Like Hogan's, you know, fuck it. I'm saying it. Hogan's a really good worker. <laughs> like he is really good, and he, because a good worker is like he knows him, you know, and he executes Hogan perfectly. Like and and like he he does a lot of stuff off. He don't get credit for. I mean, you don't get credit for. It. A lot of people kind of bag on him and like he was, you know, yeah, compared to Ric Flair, it's a little different. But like for him, for WWF, for for his character, and for you know, he was a pretty smart worker, you know. I love Hogan, and people should give him more credit. But anyways, so, yeah, and then the finish was really well executed. It was a perfect, a perfect enough co- a controversy to lead to the stripping of the title to lead to the Royal Rumble. And then like, this was kind of like the last of the Hogan moment, right, basically. And then things get kind of funky later on, <laughs> you know, with the steroids and all that stuff. So. Yeah, absolutely. I also think that... You know, they bring in Flair, and Flair has, uh, you know, Flair's been on TV uh, for a lot of the summer, and actually, no, in the fall, 
And then, yeah. you know, he's on Survivor Series. He he has something to do with the main event. But I still feel like he's kind of underutilized. Like, he's just there to, to turn his back to Hogan and get smacked in the back with a chair. Like, I, I you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I just felt like, you know, he was hyped up so much and then their their usage of him in you know in in the times that he's been available on these big you know these are big shows right and then he's going to be such a big part of what happens after this but i just felt like it was kind of it's kind of weird like he was sort of underutilized in in this show but yeah i always i always like how flair was like he like comes from WCW he enters this world and it's all like 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 you're not supposed to be here, and all of these things unravel because he's here, right? Yeah. Like, you know, I think it's always kind of like dug that about Flair's entrance in the WWF. Like he shows up, and a lot of things change, and then you know, and just WWE starts. Of course, things start changing '92 because business goes down and all that stuff. So it just it just seems like almost like I, if you're just like he just turned the world on its axle, I guess a little bit. You know, like he's like oh, you know. Here's Flair, and then all this chaos happens. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. So that was a fun. It was a fun look back, and uh, we'll we'll do a lot of that stuff uh, in in future podcasts, especially when we have time. And you know, we like to look at history, and if anything, if anything makes us remember a match or, or whatever, we'll 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 sort of deep dive into it. But um. We have already been on the air for quite a long time, so let's get immediately to uh, What's John Watching. And for those who haven't haven't heard uh, too many of these shows, the What's John Watching segment is uh, John. Since John is such a big wrestling fan, he often watches stuff that most of us don't don't watch because we don't know about it, uh, or you know we 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 haven't heard about certain promotions or certain wrestlers. And so I always find it interesting because you know you when when you when you have a uh, a wrestling when you have wrestling fans, you, you can always learn. Like you're never an expert at it. You're, there's always stuff yeah. you can watch and you can be you can learn from and you can gain more knowledge and information. And so for people listening to this show, maybe they don't get to watch some of the stuff that we get to watch. And this is just another way for you to show. Okay, I'm watching this, and you know, just in case. If you want, you can find this on YouTube or you can find this on the All Japan, you know, service. So that's what this segment is for. But it's basically John watches a lot of stuff that that you are not watching. And, and he's going to tell you whether it's good or not. Yeah, I mean, um, honestly, this week hasn't been too much because I kind of like decided, you know, you know, you know, sometimes I, I need like a reboot. Yeah. When it comes to wrestling, I need to take, take a break and you know, watch something else or listen to the music. So that's kind of what I did. But I did watch the Noah show, the finals of the Global uh, League, and they put over uh, the young kid who's, you know, like 22 years old and really good really good wrestler. They haven't done because you had a really good match. So I would definitely recommend that. I haven't watched the Jeff stuff on WWE, like the AWA stuff. I'm like, wow, man. A lot of stuff, like the small detail stuff, again, stands out. I just recently watched the uh, last, I didn't realize the last Battle of Atlanta between Con Rich and Buzz, so I didn't know they had the full show on there. I always thought they just had that match. Then I'm like, looking at him, Jim, like, then they're showing the whole show, so I got to watch the undercard, and I mean, there's a, there's a dandy of a match between Les Thornton and, I think his name is Joe Lightfoot, and, 
And there's a great, like, Jake Roberts, buddy, uh, uh, Brett Wayne match. Like, the psychology is, oh, man, it's so good. And what's so good about this, 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 this shot is a, a single camera from, like, the second deck shooting down. <laughs> but, like, their body language, I mean, I can't really see, like, your, their face up close, right? You can't really see the, you know, the, the detail in their facial expressions a lot. But, like, the body language, no, you know what's going on. Like they're communicating with their body so well to the audience, it's it's. Well, I mean that's who they're doing it for, right? They're doing it for yeah. a bit uh, like people who may not be able to see you very clearly. That you have to be demonstrative to to show for that yeah. audience. Everything's so TV focused, and that's what it is. I mean, the TV business, you know. I mean, I'll say, but like that part of the art, though, with that, like it's sometimes missing, you know. So I just thought that was interesting, but. That's basically what I've been watching. Um, not as much as usual, but you know, during the holiday, I'm sure I'll kick out some some fun stuff. So, so this, are you are yeah. you going to watch that the some of the Twelve Days of Christmas stuff that they're putting on the network? Oh, I'm definitely going to watch that 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 card they just posted. The AWA I mean, one. Like, yeah, I think there's like not a bad match on that card. I mean, there's a Rick Martel, Jimmy Garvin match. There's a Nick Bockwinkle, someone, I forget who. I mean, I just, like, a lot of the matches look pretty pretty damn solid, so um, I'm definitely going to check that out. It's, like, a really, really fun show. Um, all right, so kids update. Uh, you know, I talk about my youngest a lot, uh, and a lot of that is because my oldest is, is away from school, but he's been home, so <laughs> uh, so I've got to hang out with him a little bit. And you know, here here's the difference between between the two kids. I can just I can tell you in one example, which is I go, all right, it's time to go to you know I want I want you guys to come with me to the store. We're gonna get some gifts for you know your little cousins, and it'll be fun. And let's go. And one kid who may not really want to go, he's just like. All right, let you know. Let's go. Let's get it done. You know, we'll let, let, let's go do it. And the other kid will just be like, "Why? Why do I have to go? What? Like this is so boring. I have so much other stuff to do that's better than this. I, I don't understand why you're forcing me to go." And then all that makes me want to do is like force him more. So that's essentially what happens. Like, no, you just have to go. But uh, but like the oldest will just the oldest knows like he's like if I fight this I'm gonna have to go anyways and then we're just gonna like be mad and you know let's just get it done with and I'll still have stuff to do when I get home and so and so that's kind of what it was the the youngest had to the, then decided that all of a sudden he had to study for a test and of course I couldn't like force him to come with me if he had to study. Uh, and so the uh, the oldest and I just went to go buy some gifts and hang out and chat and and stuff and go you know get stuff at Target. But we also saw uh, this would have been I think the 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 day before we also saw the new Spider Man movie, uh, which I didn't even know the storyline of the Spider Man movie. Like I didn't understand like that there's this alternate universe of Spider-Man characters that is not Peter Parker. And so that was kind of new to me. And I went and I saw, I took them to see it because I thought, uh, I heard so many good reviews and the animation looked really slick and the way that they used music was awesome. And so we got to do that. And we, you know, we haven't had a, we haven't been able to, uh, to hang out like that in a little while. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, but I would recommend that the Spider-Man animated movie, it was really, really good. 
Okay, yeah, I'll check it out when it uh, comes available. I mean, Chloe actually knows a lot about Spider-Man. She, she sees them on the cartoons. She knows that it is. Uh, that's cool, man. I'll, I'll check it out. All right, so what's going on with, with with the kids? Are they getting excited for Christmas? Is Chloe yeah. understanding the whole counting down five days till Christmas kind of thing? Florida, yes. I keep telling it's coming soon. And I can't give the days and the countdown. And she gets all excited. There are there are some presents that are under the tree right now. She <laughs> wants to open them like every day, so she's asking. But no, uh, you know the kids are good. Uh, everyone's kind of coming down. Coming either off a cold or has a cold. Hunter has a, he's has it right now, unfortunately. But Chloe was the one that first had it. That's passed on Trina, which went to me. And now poor Hunter has it. But we'll be on the man soon. Um, Chloe has been working on her her drawing and crafts. We're getting ready for preschool next year. So usually when she gets a pen, she just scribbles. Now she's like drawing like stick figures. She's so happy and proud of it. And she wants to show me. Trina's working on her letters today. So she really did a really good H and she wanted to show me her H, which I thought was really cool. <laughs> um, she was funny. Like the other night, you know, on our group message on Twitter with, with uh, the heartbreak kid, Dave Dutra, yourself. And I like, I was, you know, I, I was like talking, texting, right? And Chloe's like, Daddy, you talking to your friends? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Well, Uncle Dave, Uncle Dave, your friend, one friend, like, and David and Rubio, and she goes, Rubio, two friends, and Garrett, Garrett, three friends, Daddy. I'm like, yeah, they're my three, my, my buddies. He's like, they're your buddies, Daddy. I'm like, yeah, you know them, you know Uncle Dave and Garrett and Rubio. Oh, I like them so much. They're so nice. <laughs> it was so 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 cute, man. It was, you know, it was it was just it was just cool, you know. And then she's she's got like, yeah. so she's got so much personality. Oh, dude. Last night though, I don't know who this girl was, man. I, I had a disciplinary. She wasn't listening. That was a sad night. <laughs> I don't like doing that stuff, but <laughs> I had to get third or she won't, you know. And then to the, but today, total 360, sweet little Chloe. I mean, she had a little little bit of that, too, when I got home because my in-laws are here. They're watching. I think she I think she knows when Daddy comes down. They're leaving, right? Yeah, yeah. Mommy, so she gets a little. But then she was like, then we had so much fun. Like, you know, right now we have a, the house is all Christmas with everything we had the lights and and like we have one of those blow up uh snowmen so like she thinks he's you know melted until he goes up and so i go hey i call you, i gotta be right back i gotta wake up i gotta wake up the snowman and she goes all right she just like waits and watches them you know blow up and stuff she's <laughs> cool so it's cool man christmas i'm i'm really looking forward to christmas year and when we open presents on christmas day because it's just like one more year now, and then Chloe really understands it, so it's 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 a lot of fun. So, wait, do, do we? I, I don't think we talked about this last time, but do you guys do the Elf on the Shelf? Okay, so yeah, it's funny you say that because we Trina and I were just talking about this on the other day. It was like, dude, we got to get that Elf on the Shelf going because like we throw the Santa thing out there sometimes, you know, like Santa's watching, right? So, so then we're like, damn, we got a vest in that damn Elf on the Shelf. <laughs> we have to be telling her that, right? But we were we're gonna start it next year. We're gonna okay. start it next year. 
Because that's one thing that I never had to deal with was the elf in the shelf. I feel like it's been, it's become a little bit more popular, I'd say, within the last maybe 10 years. But I was like, yeah, I never had to deal with the elf in the shelf. I hear about all these well, parents and I, they they forget and like they forget to move the thing. And then the kid wakes up and it's like in the same spot and they don't know why. Well, like. Like I, I, to me, this is a, this is a really new concept. I, and then I first heard this like what four years ago, five years ago. Like I never knew about the Elf in the Shelf till like my man. I'm like, what's that? And then people are explaining to me. I'm like, yeah, I guess it's like a a fairly new thing, right? So we do the we have like a calendar with like the chocolates in them, and you open it and you get a chocolate. It leads down to the Christmas. But Chloe wants like chocolate all day. She's like, oh, can we open one of those? No, we can't. <laughs> Yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, yeah. Ha- again, have a have a merry Christmas and to yep. you and the fam and you that too. that is. Uh, I hope you take some fun videos and you post them on Instagram of the kids opening gifts and of Chloe just digging life and living it to the fullest on Christmas. Yeah. And I uh, would say, man, it was it, it was cool to hang out with Brian at, at TLC after TLC. You know, he got to experience the long night of food after. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's pretty patient i'm sure he was like this is a little bit of a longer night than i thought it was gonna be but yeah i just like talking to him about wrestling right now because like he's a guy that was like in it when he's younger got out of it and then i was back in it and it's like curious to see what makes him like into the into wrestling you know yeah this is pretty cool yeah, it's, it's so funny to me. I just always tell him, like, why did you get into wrestling of all time, like, right now? <laughs> like, the, the, this is the time you get into w- – and if it was, like, more indie stuff, I would get it, but it's, like, WWE. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. He, he's, he's, like, a little bit of a um, – what do you call it? Like, just uh, – he, he, he doesn't he – doesn't, like, he knows enough – but he's like his mind is open and 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 so he's like trying to learn and I can tell like you know certain things are he's like wondering why this happens and, and so I can kind of influence that. But I try not to like diss on the people that he likes because I'm just down on a lot of that stuff and and so it's kind of fun. He him and his frat buddies can can talk about it and and uh, and listen to their you know, YouTube videos that they listen to about old shoot stories between Matt Hardy and Lita and edge and stuff. So, yeah. That's funny. All right, man. So, uh, so yeah, we'll, we're, we're checking out of here a uh, lot longer show than I thought, but I think we just really, really got into this Tuesday in Texas. Um, so, uh, so for John, I'm double G. Uh, we will see you next week. Uh, see you when we see you. Peace out.